Welcome to the Rockin' Life After Divorce podcast. And today we have Adam Cantrell in the studio. Welcome here. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. It is so much fun. I say that every time. It's so much (laughs) fun to get to know new people, get to know their stories. And we've had a chat a little bit before here, and I know this is going to be a very interesting interview. (laughs) So many learnings going through divorce. I usually say that going through divorce can be the best thing that's ever happened. Even though I didn't want to divorce, I have learned so much about myself going through this. And then you can turn your life into an amazing life. And that's what I want with this podcast. And I, I know you have a lot of similarities with that statement and you had a little story you wanted to share here initially we share a lot of the same views like we were talking about earlier i'm a u.s army combat veteran i was deployed to iraq in 06 through 07 in the thick of the fighting i mean it was real real combat up until getting divorced that was the hardest thing i'd ever been through the, the scariest time in my life and i thought that opened my eyes to how the world was but Divorce was my absolute rock bottom. And once I got to rock bottom, I figured out that there was still further to go, which scared me even more than fearing for my life because I'd survived that, but I had something to come home to. This just had my whole world crumble away and I didn't know how to deal with it. So that was a bigger struggle internally and physically than anything that came close to seeing what I saw in combat. Absolutely, 100%. Your mental toughness, your intestinal fortitude will be tested, and it's an opportunity for growth. That's the biggest thing I took away from it is that once I realized that just like in boot camp or anywhere else, nobody's coming to save you. You've got to do the work yourself. You've got to put it, you got to stop the crying. You got to stop the self pitying and, and start taking steps forward to get through this. And that's when I was fortunate enough that my background kicked in. I was able to have that motivation and that intestinal fortitude, but it was still tough because it was different. It wasn't a physical manifestation of just pushing through, you know, carrying logs or doing pushups or or whatever it, it was. It was sitting still in my own headspace and <laughs> learning to like and love what I found there and figure out what 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 brought joy, what made me happy. Was it my kids? Was it my ex-wife? Was it my new girlfriend or interest for a girlfriend, you know, but what you've discovered is that it's none of those things. It's, it's just, it's just here. And you get to make that choice. You get to make the choice to live again, to be happy again, to find peace. It's a new beginning. It's like we were talking about earlier. It's an opportunity to, to build a new life. You know, you, you, I ignored all my own personal feelings because of everything else and everybody else around me. And I wasn't honest with myself of how I really felt. And when I tried to express how I really felt, I didn't know how to say it. I didn't know how to communicate to her about the things that I needed out of the relationship because, because I didn't know myself. It took doing all the things in the divorce that happened to get to where I'm at now, to be able to focus on me, figure out what I want out of life, who I want to be in this life, and how to love myself. And as a result, everybody else around me unconditionally. I really love that attitude that you want to learn. I have a training. It's a meditative training. It's called positive intelligence. And it's uh, six weeks. It'll be a little plug here for for listeners. If you're interested, you can go ahead and go into the link in my bio and uh, sign up. It's a six-week training, initial training with 
very simple meditative practices where you do several times a day. Uh, it's all done via an app, and then we have a group coaching once a week, and then a video coaching every weekend. So it's for six weeks, and then yeah. we have a continuation of that as well. And it's a very powerful. I start it every month, so uh, we have openings here coming up for uh, for next month. We have nice. uh, five people in each group, and then it's a very tight knit group where you can be open and really learn about yourself. And you, as a former military, being in the in the army. You have a lifestyle a lot of times in that situation where you don't want to share feelings and mm. being able to start opening up and being honest right. about your difficulties. And I think a lot of men, this podcast is, prim- is primarily for men, uh, right. but a lot of men listening in. I myself was dealing with so much similar things prior to the divorce. Having these masks up, I usually say, pretending to have everything together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> having yeah, a it- nice house, having a nice car. <laughs> And uh, having the perfect marriage, going to church and showing up with the perfect family, even though you had a bunch of problems. And I really like that you have that attitude. And uh, we're going to come back to that a little bit later on in the podcast. Initially in the divorce for myself, you know, imagine someone else listening in and going just the early stages of divorce. I dealt with so much shame. I I dealt with depression. I dealt with suicidal thoughts. uh, Loneliness. And I, I hear that from pretty much every single person that I interview that dealing with similar things in the divorce. I don't know yeah. what your uh, early stages of the divorce, it was oh, exactly recent that. You, you did, but uh, it's still, yeah. what was your situation like? Oh, that it, it, exactly the same thing. Feelings of, you know, low self-worth, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. I mean, I was literally, there was at one point, of course, you know, I, I did all the things that you were talking about. I wore the masks. I did all the things, checked all the boxes in everybody's list of how you're supposed to be as a, you know, a good Christian married man, around, especially around here. And that's it, not me. It wasn't me. So it just, and instead of dealing with that internally, it just turned into this monster and exploded, you know? So I was angry. I ended up cheating, you know, so it's hard to say it was a bad thing, even though I hurt a lot of people doing that. And that I'm sorry for. There's definitely remorse there. Don't condone it. And I'll never do that again because I know better now. And that goes back to learning from your mistakes, right? There was one point where she was tired of me and she should have been tired of me and she told me to get out of the house. And I had to leave one night to go to a hotel room. And I'm sitting there with a six pack of beer. I bought a pack of cigarettes and I had my handgun. I'm just sitting there looking at it for hours and hours and hours. And She's calling me. My brother's calling me. My best friend, who's basically my brother, he's a Marine combat veteran. He's calling me and I'm just ignoring everybody. I'm isolated. I'm in my feelings, just hating myself, crying. And it took, I mean, I almost died that night. I really almost died that night. I I came really close to doing it. You know, and there's been uh, several nights and thoughts. I mean, I was struggling with suicidal thoughts just last night in the middle of the night in my sleep. No reason, no trigger, no, none whatsoever. Just woke wow. up and I just felt like I just had those familiar feelings. And yeah. I think that's some, and being a combat vet, I'm heavily involved in suicide prevention. That's um, good. If, I don't know if you can see the shirt or not, but this is the yeah. organization I'm part of, Irreverent Warriors. What's up, everybody? Call out, shout out. Um, awesome. But that's that's our motto, right? We bring veterans together to prevent suicide using humor and camaraderie. So we get together and we we just able to relate, just like you're talking about. We need to do with the men in divorce. 
we just talk. We just have community. We just love on each other. You know, yeah. we all share the same struggles. Suicide is so common among men. It's four times more common among men than women. Oh, really? That's so, so sad in, in the yeah. Western world. And especially when you go through strife like divorce, it can be so lonely. And if you don't oh, yeah. have a network of friends or people, I uh, usually say that's one of the most important things when you go through a divorce to uh, really reach out to, for help. Because a lot of guys are too proud to ask for help. And that's yeah. what my counselor said. Seriously, my counselor said, you need to reach out to a few of your friends and yep. talk to them because I was so lonely. And uh, she said, it's true. Know, reach out to a couple of your friends that you feel that you trust and then just ask permission to share what you're going mm -hmm. through. You shouldn't go around talking to everyone about your divorce. I think that's wrong because people right. are going to be tired of hearing it. To have a couple of people that you can talk to on a regular basis and just ask if it's okay, because you need to have some people to talk to about this difficult period in your life. Did you have people that you could talk to? Yeah, I reached out to a friend last night in the middle of my struggles. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. How about initially in the divorce? Your divorce started about 18 months, right? Oh, yeah. I always had my friend, Zach, the Marine buddy I told you about. He's a lifelong friend. We've been best friends, brothers, you know, since we were like in fifth grade. He was my inspiration for joining the military. He did it first. I didn't know what else I was going to do. My best friend went to the Marines. I thought, hey, I'll go to the Army. <laughs> yeah, I always had him. He was like, a big Do you talk about personal things with him? Were you uh, able oh, yeah. to be vulnerable and open? He was a key part in my self-discovery of what I needed to do. He was the kind of, he's the kind of guy that will just grab you by, by you know, by the face and, and, and bring you in and say, this is what you need to do. Yeah. And he, he did that several but were times. Were you able to, prior to the divorce, were you a person that could be transparent and, and vulnerable with people, with other men? Or were you like me? I didn't talk to anyone about personal issues prior to the divorce? <sighs> to a point. And it usually revolved around their issues and not mine. But that's a difference. <laughs> yeah, it's a big difference. <laughs> yeah, big difference. I would open up a little bit then to kind of like help them out with whatever they, they might be struggling yeah. with. And it always felt kind of awkward because I'm like, why do you think I have it together enough to come to me for anything? I think I put that in my little questionnaire that you sent me or whatever. It yeah. kind of makes me chuckle that people want to hear what, like you want to hear what I have to say. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> about navigating divorce because I feel like I feel like the chicken with his head cut off running around most of the time, and I don't think I have anything figured out. To hear other people's stories is powerful. Sure, uh, yeah, it I, is. I know it is. neither you or I have everything together, but we have a story, and we have done part of this journey, and uh, I think we all learn from that journey. That's true. And I think you have truths. I think I have truth. I think all the other people that I've interviewed have truth. Yeah, and then. Then when people are in there listening and that, you know, we made it through, we're still in the journey. My mm -hmm. divorce was seven years ago. Yours was yeah. 18 months ago. You were on that right. journey. But then as you support each other in this journey, it helps by listening to other people going through Absolutely. the Absolutely. Absolutely. And the support group that we're in has been a huge help. It's yeah. a great place. That's awesome. What are the main things that you've been struggling with in the divorce and how do you get that support? Loneliness. That's my biggest Loneliness. thing. Yeah. I mean, I tend to isolate anyway. It's kind uh -huh. of, it's a double-edged sword because I crave isolation 
to a certain extent, but then it, it's just like anything else, you know, if you get too much of it, it starts to be detrimental, especially to my mental health. I mean, I've got dogs and I see my kids all the time. I mean, I was married for 16 years and we dated for five years before that. We never left each other's side, basically, even in the military. I mean, we were separated while I was deployed, but I think probably there was some codependency there. Well, it's so easy to do in a relationship with this uh, failed idea of relationships and marriage that we have in the entire world, it seems like, you know, a Disney version of the happily ever after with Prince Charming running off into the sunset with his, yeah. <laughs> with his rescued princess from the, the fire breathing dragon, you know, and, but you don't yeah. hear the rest of the story where they hate each other six months later. <laughs> it's a wild roller coaster for sure. But it's the feelings of loneliness that I struggle with the most. And the way that I combat that is to go inward, just like anything else. I meditate a lot. I'm a very spiritual person. I'm not a Christian anymore. And I only say that because Christianity seems to have sort of a definition to it and I don't fit the bill. I absolutely believe in God and Jesus yeah. is a good friend of mine. You know, I'm a Christian. Yeah. I go to church and I'm a, I'm a believer, but I don't see it as a religion. A lot of times when you say you're religious, that's for me the label. Yeah. I have a mm -hmm. personal relationship with Jesus as my right. Lord and Savior. That right. is my my relationship, and Absolutely. I think yeah, I think that's very powerful to have that, especially yeah. when you go through strife, to have that belief. Right. So, but and the meditation that's something that I discovered, you know, the last few years, where you really learn how to become present. Right. And I think that's one of the most important things to really learn if you're dealing with anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. So, if you're dealing with anxiety and depression. You're either living in the past or in the future. You're not living right. in the present. And, and they're both they, not real. Exactly. <laughs> and and you, you're fearful of what's going to happen in the future, or you're regretting what's happened in the past, but right. you can't change uh, the past. Can't change you can't it. change uh, the divorce. It did happen. You can't change exactly. the things that you've done in the past. But if you can more and more focus on, on being present, then you're a better person. Like right now, mm -hmm. I'm very present with you listening to what right. you have to say. It doesn't matter what's going to happen in the next few hours or yeah. days or what happened in the past. It's it's focused on you. And mm -hmm. that's when, when people can really understand that you're caring for them when you're actually listening. That's one mm -hmm. of the most important skills in life to be able to listen and not thinking about what you're going to yeah. say in 10 minutes. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. It makes all the difference in the way. And you can see the change in people. If you really pay close attention, you connect with somebody, it's all in their eyes. Their eyes yeah. will tell you everything. And when you make yeah. that connection like you're talking about, their eyes just light up. Yeah, everybody does. It doesn't matter who they are, where yeah. they're from or what language they speak. When you make that connection, their eyes light up, your eyes light up, and it's powerful. It's true so connection. How, so how have you taken steps to become less lonely? I made friends. I made new oh, friends. Yeah. There you I go. Mean, how did you do that? <laughs> well, a lot of what we're talking about right now, you know, staying present, learning how to learning how to meditate, learning how to stay present and, and, and actually focus on people, pay attention to them, listen to, actively listening to what they're saying, caring about what they're saying and not just waiting your turn to speak, that sort uh -huh. of thing. But it started at the gym. I made friends at the gym. My gym has an Olympic pool outside. So I was fortunate enough, especially during the summer, to I could get a workout in and then go hang out at the pool for a little while, just chilling out by the pool. There was a group of regular people around my age. It was a group of people I could get plugged into that could sit here and have a conversation like you and I are having a conversation, enjoy each other's company. 
care about each other, even love each other. I, I can honestly say I love those people. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and I didn't even know them before, you know, 18 months ago. And it's just kind of morphed into a relationship. Do you call yourself an introvert or extrovert? Oh, yeah, no, I'm definitely, an, I'd, I like to say I'm an extroverted introvert. Okay. If that makes I, sense. I'm definitely an introvert. I usually define an introvert as somebody that needs time by themselves to recharge. Mm -hmm. That's an introvert. An extrovert right. is somebody that recharge among people, you know, in, in a social setting. I'm very yeah. social with people, especially when it's groups that I know. When right. it comes to a big group of people that I don't know, I'm not as comfortable. But I'm very comfortable in, in you know, groups that I know. Mm -hmm. And I usually call it my people. For example, I play tennis. So mm -hmm. I have an amazing group of people. And I started back up playing tennis three years ago. I played tennis in high school and then I quit for 30 years and then I picked it up again. And that's awesome. That's my people. And also yeah. have a, a small a Bible study at church where we have like about 10 people. And the, uh, that's also my people. And, and to yeah. find those connections and, and to start building those type of relationships I think that's one of the best ways to deal with loneliness, to really connect with people on a deeper level. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned that you played tennis. I play ultimate Frisbee here locally in the West Tennessee area. It's mostly, it's mostly college kids, yeah. but I'm able to keep up with them and it's fun. And I've made some really good friendships out of that too. Every Tuesday and sometimes on Sunday afternoons, we have a pickup game and just go out and mix it up and have fun. Just yeah. like you said. And that's the key thing is it's easy to isolate during this period, especially early on, but you got to get outside and go talk to people. <laughs> yeah. As yeah, introverted it, as you are, you have to, and I'm exactly the same way. You know, my, you mentioned my people, I'm all that I agree with. Any other steps that you've taken to navigate the divorce when it comes to other areas, your connection with the kids or any other areas that have affected your life? Like, oh yeah. Going through the divorce. I know that, that you haven't had to deal with alienation. I had to deal with alienation where I didn't see my kids for sometimes mm -hmm. for eight months. Mm -hmm. How have you been able to stay connected with the kids and how's that working out for yeah. you? So I have a very, I have a very easy schedule currently through my military service. I have, you know, service connected disability. So I get paid from the VA, the U S government for that service connected disability. And it, it supplements my income enough to where I actually can get by without having to work. Yeah. Matter of fact, I'm not even supposed to work and earn that much because of uh, because of that disability. And it's yeah. it's a mental disability. It's PTSD. Yeah. But it's all it all go back to the same. Taking care of yourself first. That's how I connected to my kids. You know, getting on to, on that had a deeper connection. I think they were they were like six and eight at the time. Yeah. Something like that. So you know, young. They're still young. They both play soccer. They play baseball. They like football. They like one of them is in cross country running. So I just got involved in that, you know, show up to every game, go yeah. to the practices, you know, talk to them about their skill sets, practice with them at home. They like to play Frisbee. They come play Frisbee with me on Sundays sometimes, especially if it's not a league game, if it's like just pickup and there are other kids there. They've got a few friends that live fairly close to us out in the country where we live at, and they've got horses and dogs and goats and all that stuff. They got a big farm going on. They love going over there, especially like during the winter, if it snows or something like that, they can go over and play in the snow and whatnot. I decided to make my sons, my friends, if that helps, if that helps anybody, Absolutely. that would be my biggest uh, suggestion for you. It's like, don't be, don't be their dad. I mean, be their dad. You got to be their dad, but be their friend. Uh, those, are, those are your best friends you'll ever have. 
in my yeah. opinion. I love those little jokes. I, I think you know? that's part of it being in a, you know, initially when they're young, you're going to be a, a definitely a parent, but then it'll be less and less a parent and more and more a friend as they yeah. grow up. Like all my mm-hmm. kids are uh, adults. Right. Uh, my youngest just turned 18 here a few months ago. Uh, and then it's much more going into a friendship. But even before that, as they in their teens, it's more you know developing this friendship, being right. able to speak into their lives. Right. They're becoming adults, and they have to take their own uh, decisions mm-hmm. and learning how to make their own decisions instead of having a parent that's illegalistic until they're eighteen, and then they right. start trying to make decisions. Yep. And that, that, that kind of sparked a, a point I wanted, I, I'd like to make is, you know, it, it, I wanted, I want my sons to learn. <laughs> I want them to learn from my mistakes. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I made these mistakes and I can see behaviors in them sometimes. Where I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> we need to, we need to talk about this. Cause I, you know, I'm, I'm sure you don't feel like you did anything wrong there, but we need to rethink that approach of how you're going to interact with somebody because that's, I don't think they'll appreciate that sort of behavior sort of a thing, you know, and those yeah. things, I can see those things in them now. And it's easier uh, as a parent, I think it's easy to be frustrated and be overly critical of your, of your kids, but it's easier for me going back to being present. Like you were talking about having that connection with them, being able to deliver those messages uh, a little more gently with a larger impact, uh, you know, it, well, actually up here and it not be detrimental to their, you know, feelings of self-worth. Cause I know growing up, it always felt difficult for me to be myself, be authentically me for those very reasons. I grew up Church of Christ and, you know, there's a lot of judgment in that community. There was, yeah. there was just a lot yeah. of judgment in it. And that's nothing personal against anybody that may be listening to this that knows or is Church of Christ or even Christian, but it's, and it's not anything personal jab at them. I know it's not the religion itself, you know, or anything. It's just, it's just what you deal with, especially where I'm from. Yeah, You know, to be like, to be myself seemed like something that was just not acceptable. That's not the truth. It's just how I felt. Yeah. I didn't allow myself to do it. And that's been my whole life. And it kind of gets back to what divorce does for you. It, what it did for me, it allowed me to do that, to finally do that, to not care. And when I say not care, it's not, it's not that you're indifferent. It's just that you're, you're not scared. You're not afraid anymore. You're not scared to be yourself anymore. And that's, Help me connect with my kids and with the isolation, helping with the depression, the isolation, all that stuff. Just accepting, yeah. just accepting myself, accepting that at one point I was kind of a bastard. I didn't have my head screwed on right. I made bad decisions. I cheated on my wife and I had to deal with the consequences and the fallout of that. Yeah. I think it's very good that you can be honest about it and also other people learning from, from our mistakes that we made. And uh, instead of just being these, trying to pretend I have everything together, I think, you know, what you and I talked about before the podcast started, but a lot of times, if you don't deal with these things now, you're going to end up in a new relationship, the same thing. And the odds are against you after a divorce. If you end up in a new relationship, the odds are against that you're going to end up in another divorce and another divorce. Mm-hmm. If you don't deal with the, those, your demons or whatever you want to call them, these, these issues are you're dealing with. And that's the work that I've done. And I do coaching all the time, coaching right. men primarily to go through this divorce and also learning from this, this period. This can be the best thing that's ever happened for you. I usually say for you because this is an event and some people 
I would say it's usually, I think it's 70 to 80% of divorces are filed by the woman. So a lot of men are clueless about their ending up in divorce. And it's a huge surprise for a lot of men, including myself. I did not think we're going to end up in divorce. And then when you're hit with it, it's, it can be a very difficult period. But to really mm-hmm. search out yourself and starting to learn about yourself, that was a, one of the biggest things for me. I really learned so much about myself throughout this journey and becoming a better version of myself. And then also to see that I have an amazing life ahead. I'm 56 years old, but I have the rest of my life left. And then yeah. I continue this journey. So yep. how, how do you see your future looking, looking ahead? I'll be better off you know, wherever I'm at than I am now. And that doesn't mean financially or anything else like that, but I know me now. I, I've discovered myself and new things that I'm capable of. And I'm capable of I'm capable of surviving divorce. And I think, and not not only am I capable of surviving divorce, but I've thrived afterwards. The relationship with my ex-wife is amazing. I'm in her house right now. I'm picking up, (laughs) (laughs) I'm picking up her dog to keep them, keep, keep it for the weekend. And it's her weekend with the boys, but I'm keeping them for her because she has a wedding to go to. It's her cousin's wedding in, in, in Nashville, Tennessee. She wanted to go to, it wasn't working out for her. I actually had plans to go somewhere. I was going to, funny. I was going to be in Texas this weekend. You mentioned Texas earlier, but that fell through. And I got back with her and and told her that I could, you know, help her out. But to me, that's thriving. Our co-parenting relationship is amazing. We get along so much better now than than in the last 10 years that we were married. Yeah. Yeah, I I love that. And and that's what the question was really about, not about your future profession. It's about your life. You know, yeah. how do you see yourself thriving? You, you mentioned that you are on an upward trajectory yep. and both you personally, your relationship with your kids, with your ex-wife, with friends, mm-hmm. etc. And I, I am so encouraged to hear that. Yeah. So, and, and I'd love to hear more about your co-parenting because it takes two to mm-hmm. tango to make that work. So... I failed as a husband, so I wasn't going to fail as a ex-husband, you know, wasn't going to be the typical deadbeat dad that cheated and ran away with his lover, you know, and like you said, ended up in another crappy relationship where it was just going to end anyway, because let's face it, you get together with somebody like that for all the wrong reasons. So i made a decision that I'd screwed it up to this point and I wasn't going to screw it up anymore. It didn't start off that way. It's just been a work in progress. And it's just been here recently. I'd say in the last six months where things have been really, really, really good. Oh, Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But it's communication. We communicate daily. uh, We talk about we talk about the kids going to school. We talk about the kids going to practice. We talk about expenses of what they, you know, what they need. We talk about, hey, I've got this plan coming up. It's supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to be your day, but something's come up. I'd really like to take them to this thing. Yeah, sure. No problem. All that stuff. You have to stop worrying about the things you can't control. I know a lot of people, I have a, I have an ex-spouse that is, she matches my effort now. Okay. You see what I mean? So yeah. I'm fortunate. I feel very, very, very fortunate because I know a lot of people out there don't have the people they get along with that they call their ex-husband or wife. There's some very manipulative and toxic people out there. And that's what I want to get to. I'm no saint. I've got my own toxic traits. She's got her own toxic traits and they clash. They, yeah. you know, they, they get after each other like a couple of dogs over a food bowl. You have to learn to just ignore that stuff. 
Yeah. You know, the thing that's the whole point of divorce. though. the things that used to piss you off, you don't have to worry. You don't even have, you don't have to care anymore. That's the beauty of it. You, they can make you mad. They can say something, but you got to get outside of your ego mind and just be like, I'm not even going to address it. I'm not even going to say anything about it. I'm just going to let it be. She can think whatever she wants. I can think whatever I want. And what I've discovered is once ignoring the negative energy, the positive energy just started overflowing. There was no more negative energy to pay attention to. It just wasn't there. Okay. So was it like an event or you said it was primarily the last six months that the co-parenting has flourished? How did it become good? Was it... uh Effort. One of you that took the initiative? No, 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 no. It's this has been continued effort. We've learned how to do this. Okay, since the start, it's a gradual Mm -hmm. becoming better and better. Well, we had to build a new relationship. We were we were married. We were lovers for a long time. Now we're just learning how to be friends, which I discovered, and I think I think she would agree with me. Comes pretty naturally and easy, and we just uh, just allowed that to happen and not allow allow the you know, the, the, the fighting and the negative feelings to enter, you know, she had to get over me cheating on her. She had to get over me asking for a divorce from her. And I had to put in effort to hold space for that. She probably didn't want to talk to me a whole lot. I know I didn't want to talk to her a whole lot, especially in the beginning, but even in those interactions where we, because we were still talking with each other, you know, to co-parent, we weren't going to let the kids down. We knew that on that we could agree with, you know what I mean? So love that attitude. And then you said in your uh, comments here, hang on, it's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> be, be patient with yourself. I think patience is extremely important. Yeah. Uh, why don't you speak into that a little bit? That goes back to earlier where we were talking, hitting rock bottom and discovering that it, you, know, you get to the bottom of the abyss and there's another hole. You can keep going if you let yourself. Yeah. But you have to be, once you, get, you, know, once you fall that far, you got to be patient about building yourself back up. And it takes steps. It's not going to happen automatically. It's just like we were talking about with my ex-wife in our relationship. You know that that itself hit rock bottom and completely disappeared. It was a completely different thing. We had to build a whole new thing, a whole new relationship, and that was true for every aspect in my entire life. Everything started over. So I don't know if you're a worker. You know if you've got that mental. You know, that mental that intestinal fortitude to be to be a go-getter, to own your own energy, to own your own life. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're ambitious in the workplace, all those things. If you're a worker, I think it's a little bit easier because you know you got work to put in. You know, if you have a tendency to be self-loathing and a procrastinator, that's really more the people I'm speaking to when I say get ready, it's gonna be bumpy. Yeah. Because you got work to put in. I mean, that's, that's yeah. all it boils down to. And you need to, you need to find the books, find the, the audio tapes, find the, the, the podcasts, <laughs> whatever yeah. it is that gets you in that mindset that breaks through to help you realize that nobody's coming to save you. This is all on you. You're, you're more than an adult now. If you're going through a divorce, you're doing one of the most grown-up things you could possibly do. And you need to act like a grown-up. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. Yeah, I think so. And you also said how to allow myself grace and how to allow myself to be myself. I think that's very, very powerful. That goes back to the feelings of guilt, dealing with the negative vibes I would pick up or perceive from folks because everybody knew that everybody that knew us knew what I did in the relationship. So there was dealing with that, that hate, 
or perceived yeah. hate from from folks. But once going back to me- meditation and going inward and quieting your mind, once you or once you really grasp the concept there, all that stuff just kind of fades away because it's not it wasn't there in the first place. It was just it was just in your head. And it all sounds easy, but this stuff is hard. It's hard to meditate. It's hard to learn how to meditate. Yeah. And it's hard to sit in your own silence still and not think anything. <laughs> yeah. Your mind goes a hundred miles an hour, but it teaches you to let thoughts come and, and then gracefully go. Because yeah. thought, thoughts and emotions are fleeting. They come one second and they're gone the next. And what you're left with is what's real. Thoughts and feelings aren't real. I mean, you feel them, but they're not real. You can't, t- you know, you can't show somebody your thoughts. You can't show somebody your feelings. It's a phantom. It's something that's internal. So that's where you got to go to deal with it. And you don't need to run from it because that goes back to what you were talking about earlier. Because if you run from it, it's just going to manifest itself in something else. You got a crappy relationship. You leave it and you jump into another relationship. Well, guess what? That's going to be the same crappy relationship, just like you talked about. And that's the same thing with life, period. And that's what you got to really wrap your head around. And strap in for the long haul with this. You know, you're completely. Re- it's like a. It's like a, a hierarchy restructuring in a corporate setting. You got new directors coming in. You've got new ma- middle management. Everything coming in. Your whole life's different now, and you've got to structure it accordingly. It can definitely be a bumpy road, and I have a training. It's a meditative training. It's called positive intelligence, yeah. and it's. Uh, Six weeks, it'll be a little plug here for, for listeners. If you're interested, you can go ahead and go into the link in my bio and uh, nice. sign up. It's a six-week training, initial training with very simple meditative practices where you do several times a day. Uh, it's all done via an app, and then we have a group coaching once a week, and then a video coaching every weekend. So it's for six weeks, and then yeah. you have a continuation of that as well. And it's a very powerful. I start it every month, so uh, we have openings here coming up for uh, for next month. We have nice. uh, five people in each group, and then it's a very tight knit group where you can be open and really learn about yourself. To round off the podcast, it's been an amazing podcast. I love getting to know people, hearing stories, and and uh, learning from each other. But an ending question that I always ask: If you have a listener right now that's listening to this. And he's just started this divorce journey. Maybe it just happened. He was surprised with it uh, like uh, last week. What would you say to this this guy or woman? Any uh, thoughts? Yeah, it's going to be okay. (laughs) It's going to be okay. I promise you it's going to be okay. Everything you're feeling right now will get better. You'll start feeling better. That feeling in the pit of your stomach will go away. That pain you get right here, feel it. All that stuff, feel it. Know why you feel that way. Process it. Don't run away from it. Lean into all those emotions, as nasty as it is. And if you've got to, you know, dip away and go to the bathroom or whatever and have a good cry real quick, then do it. Especially, and and we're talking to guys here. That's the biggest thing is just allow yourself to have emotions. Know that every guy in the world has the same emotions. Not that I'm some kind of macho guy or anything, but guys like me, military guys, I consider myself kind of like a type A personality, I'm not an alpha guy by any means. I don't really buy into that kind of thought pattern, but I am a guy. I like to be masculine. I've been on my knees crying my eyes out with yeah. my heart just hurting so much during this. And that's going to happen. It's okay. Uh, it's normal. Let it happen. Do it. And it's like part of the healing process. It's part of the healing process. You gotta, you've uh, got a wound. It hurts. It's going to hurt. 
nurse it, take care of it, and let it heal. Yeah, I really like that ending. It's going to be okay. Yeah, it's it going to be, be okay. So thank you so much, Adam, for being part of this podcast. Thank you. Helping other people to navigate this very difficult journey. And I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to do this interview. And I'd love to have you on again, maybe in six months or a year, and, and check on an update. I would love to come back. This has been a great experience. I've never done a podcast before. So for this to be one, the first one I ever did, and this is great. I feel honored. I hope that somehow it you know, is beneficial to some folks out there. And it sounds like you're doing great work. So keep it up. I'd love to come back. Yeah, thank you so much. Man.